0: Welcome to the Grove Community Church Sermon Podcast. We're a faith community seeking to change lives, change our community, and change the world. And now to this week's message. We hope you enjoy it. Our son, Bennett, graduated from Alabama uh, with two degrees, a degree in finance and economics. And he was in the School of Business doing that work. And in the school of business, he was very involved in the, um, in the business fraternity, the business school fraternity, which is kind of an academic fraternity, is AK Psi. And it's through AK Psy that he met this young man who was kind of shy, uh, but a super nice guy. And Bennett got connected with him so much that they had similar classes. This young man was... Uh, actually getting a degree in three years and then getting a master's in his fourth year because he was so intelligent and brought in so many credits to college that he was able to do that. And so they took a lot of classes together and it was almost every class that they had together one of them would hold the seat for the other one. So Bennett would hold the seat next to him for this young man and he would do the same for Bennett. And so they became acquaintances. Not deep friends but acquaintances, they were on this journey together and they'd really connected. <clears throat> Last week, that young man walked into a bank in Kentucky and killed his coworkers. Connor was a friend of our son in college. We often talk about the brokenness of the lives that are impacted, <clears throat> but broken lives break others hurt fuels darkness. What we found out about Connor is that he suffered from depression and anxiety pretty severely. He played multiple sports in high school and had six concussions by the time he got to college. His last year in high school playing basketball he had to wear a helmet. Before he had grown into the six foot five, 220 pound young man that he was, he was kind of scrawny growing up and got made fun of and picked on. He was, he was the butt of people's jokes. So he understood what it meant to be bullied. So this young man who was quiet and reserved and was very nice got to Alabama and he was, and he was experiencing a renaissance. He met friends, in a way that he never had met before he was gaining confidence he was plugged in and things seemed to be going great for him until he took a job and he became isolated and the anxiety and the depression grew and the darkness grew and he knew that he was getting fired or had just gotten fired and the darkness won It's hard. It's been really hard for me this week to process that. If you put his in, uh, his LinkedIn feed up next to Bennett's, or not feed, but but profile, they they they're the same kid. So what went wrong? He has a family that loved him. His father was his high school coach. His mom was trying to call and stop him on his way and. She's the one, they're one of the ones that made the 911 call. I don't know if you knew that or not. So here's a kid who had people in his life. He, he had just become so isolated and so turned in that he, he, he lost sight of reality and he lost sight of, of a bigger picture and he was alone and completely covered in darkness. But his story is the story of so many people that we walk by every day. They might not, they might not act it out. They hopefully never take the steps that Connor took that day. But there are people that we come into contact with every day that are struggling. They're isolated. They're in darkness. They're hurting. And they need, our culture needs, our culture needs new life. The people around us need the power of the resurrection in their life, they need hope. We have a culture that's at war with itself. We have a culture that argues over beer cans and other things. We have a culture that that is so hungry in the pursuit of self-interest that we lose sight of others. and we've created division, and anger, and hatred. And it's in that spiritual darkness that our culture is living, and it's in that spiritual darkness that we are called to be light. But not just any light, the resurrected light. Today we're going to look at the story of the road to Emmaus. And what it Tells us about this brokenness and the confusion in our world. We have people that are confused all around us. They're confused about the existence of God. They're confused about what it looks like to have a normal life or what is even normal. They're confused about what their next steps are. They're confused about everything. And that's not unlike what these first disciples were. They were in the midst of a cultural war themselves, they were in the midst of a war between their way of life and the Roman rule that was around them. They were divided between what, what the Jewish leader said and what, and what the normal everyday person was experiencing. They lived in spiritual darkness as well, where people were murdering one another. We, we think that we live in a bad time, and, and we think that our culture is worse than it's ever been, and perhaps it is, but let me tell you that it still pales in comparison to what Jesus' day was like where it was not uncommon for a soldier to slit someone's throat in the street just for doing it. It wasn't uncommon for a woman to be raped in the street for all to see. In these days, not long after this story with Jesus, it was not uncommon for Christians to be taken alive, and while they were still alive, driven on a spike and lit on fire as torches for Nero. It was not uncommon, it was not uncommon for, for someone to butcher someone just so they could have their land. All of these things that, that were going on then was, it was, a, it was a state of confusion not unlike the state of confusion that we live in. It was a state of darkness and emptiness and brokenness not unlike the state of darkness and emptiness and brokenness that we experience and so it's in this milieu that we see these two disciples in this confusion and in this darkness that they're on their way away from from Jerusalem now this is an interesting part to the story that doesn't get talked about very often but all throughout Luke he uses this theme of journey and through most of Luke what, where's the journey leading to? You can say this out loud if you know. Where, where's the journey going? Anybody? To the cross, ultimately. And the cross is going, the, the journey is to the cross for Jesus. And he says it, and he begins this journey by saying, it's, he set his face towards Jerusalem. So this whole journey is to the cross in Jerusalem. And this theme is over and over and over again in the book of Luke. So Luke takes on that idea of journey, but this time they're not journeying to Jerusalem or to the cross, they're journeying away from it. So the very day of the resurrection, two of them were going to the village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened. These things being that Jesus was died, that he was put in the grave, and then earlier that day, two women went to the grave and came back and saying that they had seen Jesus and seen him resurrected. Yes. Luke 24. Luke 24, verses 13 through 35. 24, 13 through 35. Sorry about that. And while they were walking and discussing together, this is verse 15, Jesus himself drew near and went with them, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. They were with Jesus, but they didn't recognize him. Their eyes were unseeable, or they were incapable of seeing who he, who he was, they were in their own darkness they didn't understand their eyes betrayed them verse 17 and he said to them what is this conversation that you are holding with each other as you walk and they stood still looking sad and then one of them named Cleopas answered him are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days now how ironic is that that the one who knows more than anybody else what has happened is the one they're saying, who are you? You don't know what's going on? When they themselves don't see what's going on right in front of their faces, right? They don't see that this Jesus guy that they've been following is resurrected and he's right in, in, in front of them. They think they know, but they're in darkness. And I would say that a lot of us live in that realm in our culture, We think we know. We think there's a lot of things. We do. We do know a lot of things. We've been taught a lot of things. We've experienced a lot of things. But do we really see clearly? Are we really in the know? I think Luke writes this story in such a way as to force us to ask the question, are we ourselves blind to really what God's doing and who He is and and how He's working in and around us? And Jesus says to them in verse 19, what things? And they said, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word, before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him, but we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things happened. Moreover, some women in our company went and amazed us. They were at the tomb earlier in the morning, and when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they had even seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the woman had said, but him they did not see. So, they know the story of Jesus, they had been followers of him, they get this report that some people had gone to the tomb and it was empty and they had this Angelophany, they had this experience of angels, and the angel said that Jesus is alive, and yet they're, they're traveling away, they're journeying away from Jerusalem. They have all the facts in front of them, but they're in darkness. They have everything they need to know what's going on, but they don't see. They have become so clouded by their, by their confusion and so clouded in the darkness of the world around them and in the events that they had just experienced in the ugliness and the brokenness of the cross. They saw all of that at hand. They heard crowds yell crucify Him. They saw the body of Jesus hanging on the cross. They saw all of that. And in that darkness and in that confusion, they didn't understand. And I would submit that we are not unlike them. We live in confusion. We live in brokenness. We live in hurt. We live in darkness and in pain. Jesus says to them, verse 25, Foolish ones, you are slow of heart to believe all the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into into His glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets he interpreted to them, and all of the scriptures, the things concerning himself. So as they're walking down the road, Jesus says, do you not really see what's going on? This is another theme that happens throughout Luke, is this idea of sight and see, and putting your eyes on and believing, right? And so he says, do you not see these things? Are you so slow of heart? Are you so consumed by confusion and the darkness around you that you miss Christ? Are you so overwhelmed by the culture that you miss out on the light and the life? Are you so focused on the negative and the dark? Are you so focused on the confusion that you miss the truth before you? So they drew near to the village to which they were going. Jesus acted as if he were going to go further. But they urged him strongly saying, stay with us for it is toward evening and the day is now far spent. So he went in to stay with them. And when he was at the table with them, he took the bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he vanished from their sight. This theme of vision and sight and appearing and disappearing comes up again, and the way Luke does this is is brilliant. This story, this experience that he's recounting is brilliant as well, that Jesus would show up and be recognized in his brokenness, in the broken bread, this is my body broken for you. You see, it's hard to recognize Jesus as king because he's unrecognizable as king if we look at him from our earthly perspective. From the earthly perspective, he's not king. He's been defeated, he was embarrassed, he was humiliated, he was put on a cross, he was beaten and tortured, and dead and buried. And from the earthly perspective, that is not king. Jesus is hard to see when we look at him through the eyes of our world. Jesus is hard to see when we let our culture and our confusion and our darkness cloud our sight. Instead, he wants to open our eyes. He wants us to recognize him. But it's in the brokenness. It's in the confusion of these disciples that Jesus shows up. So what does that mean for us? It means that he shows up precisely in our darkest moments. We sang about it earlier. He shows up precisely in the valley of the shadow of death. He is with us. He shows up precisely in our brokenness, in our darkness, and in our confusion. Jesus is just waiting to show up if we just take the scales off of our eyes. He meets us in our brokenness. And He Himself was broken for our brokenness. And that's the power of His story. He's a king, but he's a different kind of king. He's the king that takes on your suffering, that takes on the darkness of this world, that takes on the confusion, and shows up in the middle of it and says, no, let me give you clarity. He gives us light and life and hope. And I just wish Connor had heard those words. In the fog of his confusion... And the darkness that he felt and the isolation, I just wish he knew that there was light and life and hope. I didn't know that Bennett was friends with Connor until Tuesday when Bennett called me upset. And he said, Dad, I need need to talk to you. I got to process some stuff. I'm like, oh, okay. No clue. And then he just loses it. And he tells me the story. And what do you think he was struggling with? What could I have done? It's natural for your mind to go there, right? This acquaintance you had, this person that you've lost touch with. For two years now, they haven't conversed. For two years, they haven't been connected. They're graduated. They've moved on and And those relationships kind of dissolved and Bennett was feeling guilty about that. And I understand that. Because I hear it all the time, the brokenness and the hurt and the confusion and the isolation and the darkness. But guys, we have a resurrected king who meets us in our confusion and our brokenness and gives us life and light, and hope. He takes the scales off our eyes, and he lets us see things in a new way, and he says, I am a king, but I'm a different kind of king. I'm a king over a new kingdom that's not of this world, and we're called to live in that kingdom even though we live in this world. We're called to live in light, and life, and hope in the middle of the confusion and the darkness. We're not going to change this world by the next presidential election. The world doesn't change by the man or the woman you elect. It changes when we, as the people of God, see life and light and hope. We can't legislate our way out of XY confusion. We can't make enough laws to make guns safe for everyone. I'm not making political statements outside of the fact that we have a different political system that we live by in Jesus Christ. And I'm not telling you that you shouldn't go vote. I'm telling you to do it prayerfully. What I'm saying is all of that is man-made. And all of that is limited. And none of it has the power to change your heart. None of it has a power to change a life. No, None of it has the power to give hope. Only Jesus can do that. And so instead of arguing and bickering over differences on social media that are political, we are called to be light and life and hope to the world. And there's only one power that does that. It's the power of Christ at work in us. And he pulls off the scales from our eyes so that we might see. But guys, too often we live in this fog, and I own it. I live in the fog of all the confusion and all the darkness and all the brokenness that are, that's around us. And, and when we live and stuck, and when we're stuck there, we feel hopeless. And we feel darkness, and we feel no life. We feel death. And that hopelessness, that darkness... And that feeling of death leads to more hopelessness, darkness, and death. It was in the brokenness and in the confusion that Jesus showed up, and it was when he broke the bread they saw it's him. Our world needs us to be the light, the life, and the hope of Christ in the middle of their brokenness. So that they can see Jesus. I just wish someone, I just wish one person had been able to speak that into Connor's life. His parents, right now, wish that someone had been able to speak that into his life. And the six people, the six others, or the five others that were killed, their families wish that someone had been able to speak that into his life. The six dead in Tennessee, their families wish that someone had been speaking that into someone, some... some. Confused young lady's life. Let's be a people who quit being keyboard warriors and arguing over the insignificant stuff, and let's be a people that take the life and the light and the hope of Christ to a world that badly needs to see it because there's no amount of government intervention. There's no law that can make this thing go right. There's only one king. And that king can and does change lives. That king does give life and light and hope. And that's why I do what I do as a chaplain because the people that are living in that darkness, they don't come here on Sunday morning. I mean, some of you do, and some of you are experiencing that, and if you are, I'm not belittling that, and I'm not saying that that's insignificant. And if you are experiencing that, I want to talk to you. But the reason why I go into the workplace, the reason why I believe in marketplace ministry is because people are hurting, and they do not have a connection, and they're isolated, and their only point of anchor and relationship is at work. And so I can show up in their place where they have someone who is trying to be light and life and hope. But they shouldn't have to hire a chaplain to do that. All of us should be doing it wherever we go in our neighborhood, in our places of work, in our families, in all of our acquaintances. We should show up with that same light and life and hope. We guys are the ones that get to change people around us not through our power but through the power of Christ that changes us and works in us to change others. That is the power of the resurrection. It's a grassroots movement that changes lives changes communities, changes the world. We hope you found this week's message meaningful and impactful. And as always, don't just hear it, but put it into practice. Until next time, have a good one.